Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David, and welcome back to another Mojo Minute. Today we will conclude our mini-review of the great book we have been covering, Willpower, by Roy Baumeister and John Tierney. Now in our past Mojo Minutes, we have covered why willpower is at the center of things, how to gain willpower, in fact, how to fuel willpower and get more of it, and then we talked all about how stress diminishes your ability to control your emotions, which results in a depleting willpower. So be sure to check out Mojo Minutes 205 and 204 for that goodness. So with that good housekeeping out of the way, we're going to turn to our last but most important nugget of wisdom from Baumeister and Tierney. It's a notion of bright lines. Yes, bright lines. We encounter this wonderful teaching in chapter eight of willpower. And so with that, let's kick it off with a quote. When Eric Clapton relapsed on that summer evening when he drove by the pub and couldn't resist stopping in for a drink, he was undone by what is called hyperbolic discounting. The most precise way to explain that concept is with graphs and hyperboles or hyperboles hyperbolas. But we'll try a visual metaphor mixed with an old allegory. Think of Eric Clapton on that Sunday evening as a repentant sinner who is literally on the road to salvation. Like the hero of Pilgrim's Progress, the 17th century allegory. Suppose that he too is journeying toward a celestial city. While traveling through the open countryside, he can see the city, the city's far-off golden spires, and keeps heading in their direction. This evening, he looks ahead and notices a pub, strategically situated at a bend in the road, so that it's directly in front of travelers. From this distance, it looks like it's a small building, and he still keeps his eyes fixed on the grandeur of those spires of the celestial city. In the background. But as Eric the Pilgrim approaches the pub, it looms larger. And when he arrives, the building completely blocks his view. He can no longer see the golden spires in the distance. Suddenly, the celestial city seems much less important than this one little building. And thus, verily, our Pilgrim's progress endeth with him passed out on the pub's floor. That's the result of hyperbolic discounting. We can ignore ignore temptations when they are not immediately available, but once they're right in front of us, we lose perspective and forget our distant goals. Interesting. As a side note, we are all pilgrims going through our hero's journey. Check out Mojo Minute 125 and 126 as we unpacked the hero's journeys, part one and part two. 
And yes, we will review John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress at some point. It's noted on the great books list to be covered in future Mojo Minutes. So have faith, my young Padawan. Okay, to get a little bit more serious here, Eric Clapton falls into temptation with alcohol because of hyperbolic discounting. And hyperbolic discounting is defined as those temptations when they are right in front of us and we lose all perspective and we forget all of our distant goals. AKA Eric the Pilgrim loses sight of the celestial city with its golden spires that he wants to proceed to. And he falls for the small pub right in his way. And I love this story because we all can relate to it. Even St. Paul recounts something like this in his letters to various Christians gathering around the Mediterranean. Let's go back to the book because now we will get some deeper science. George Anseley, a renowned psychiatrist and behavioral economist with the Department of Veteran Affairs, worked out the mathematics of this foible by using some clever variations of the familiar experiments testing long-term and short-term rewards. For instance, if you won a lottery with a choice of prizes, you would prefer $100 to be paid six years from today or $200 to be paid nine years from today. Most people would choose the $200, but what if the choice were between $100 today and $200 three years from today? A rational discounter would apply the same logic and conclude once again that the extra money is worth the wait, but most people would instead demand the quick $100. Our judgment is so distorted by the temptation of immediate cash that we irrationally devalue the future prize. Anseley found that as we approach a short-term temptation, our tendency to discount the future follows the steep curve of a hyperbola, which is why this tendency is called hyperbolic discounting. As you devalue the future, like those heroin addicts in Vermont who couldn't think of anything beyond the next hour, you lose your concern about a hangover tomorrow and you're not focused on your vow to go through the rest of your life sober. Those future benefits now seem trivial in relation to the immediate pleasure at the pub. What's the harm in stopping by for one drink? Indeed, we all have been here before. Maturity Maturity and adulthood is learning how to slay your own dragons, isn't it? No longer can we be the little kid who doesn't accept ownership of our vices. And for me, I always thought that that was the real meaning of the stories of St. George slaying the dragon and becoming the hero and winning the princess. They are a metaphor to encourage us mere mortals that we will have to slay our own dragons. We will have to do the hard work of self-discovery to learn those dragons. So let's get excited because we're learning on this journey. And here is another nugget of wisdom. 
For many people, of course, there is no harm in stopping for just one drink. Just as some people, not many, can enjoy one cigarette at a party and not smoke again for months. But if you're someone who can't control your drinking or your smoking, you can't look on that drink or cigarette as an isolated event. The simplest policy might be to just avoid pubs. But before getting close to one, he could, this is Eric, he could leave the main road and take a detour around it. But how could he be sure he'd follow the policy consistently? Suppose as he prepares to take the detour around the pub, he remembers that further down the road in the next city is a tavern that's unavoidable. It sits right next to the only bridge spanning spanning the river that he must cross. He fears that when he reaches that city tavern tomorrow evening, he will yield to temptation, suspecting that his dream of a long, sober walk to the celestial city might be doomed. Eric the Pilgrim starts bargaining with himself. If I'm going to get drunk tomorrow night, what's the difference does it make today if I stop for a drink now? Carpe diem, bottoms up. For him to resist a drink tonight, he needs to be confident that he won't yield to temptation tomorrow. Ah, yes. All of us have been here before. We all know this deep psychological trick. We start to bargain with ourselves. If I'm going to get drunk tomorrow night, what's the difference if I stop for a drink tonight? Bargaining is the work of the devil. This is the screw tape letters in action. Be sure to check out Mojo Minute 95 for that great piece of writing by C.S. Lewis. So here we are, and we are struggling with how to conquer this dragon. And now here comes this beautiful and mighty sword to help us slay this dragon. Listen closely. Eric the Pilgrim needs the help of bright lines, a term that Anselie borrows from lawyers. These are clear, simple, unambiguous rules. You can't help but notice when you cross a bright line. If you promise yourself to drink or smoke moderately, that's not a bright line. It's a fuzzy boundary with no obvious point at which you go from moderation to excess. Because the transition is so gradual and your mind is so adept at overlooking your own peccadilloes, you may fail to notice when you've gone too far. So you can't be sure you're always going to follow the rule to drink moderately. In contrast, zero tolerance is a bright line. Total abstinence with no exceptions anytime. It's not practical for all self-control problems. A dieter cannot stop eating all food, but it works well in many situations. Once you're committed to following a bright line rule, you'll present yourself, you present yourself with confidence that your future self will observe it too. And if you believe that that rule is sacred, a commandment from God, the unquestionable law of a higher power, then it becomes an especially bright line. 
and you have more reason to expect your future self to respect it. And therefore, your belief becomes a form of self-control, a self-fulfilling mandate. I think I won't, therefore I don't. Eric Clapton discovered bright lines along his journey. And so let us conclude his story. Eric Clapton discovered that bright line in one moment at Hazleton. And he appreciated its power once again when he chaired an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting, not long after the death of his son. He spoke about the third of the 12 steps, handing your will over to the care of a higher power. And he told the group how his compulsion to drink had vanished the instant he got down on his knees at Hazleton, Hazleton, and asked for God's help. From then on, he told them he never doubted he would have the will to remain sober, not even a day, not even the day his son died. After the meeting, a woman came up to him. She said, you've taken away my last excuse to have a drink, she told him. As always had, I've always had this little corner of my mind, which held the excuse that if anything were to happen to my kids, then I'd be justified in getting drunk. You've shown me that's not true. Upon hearing her, Clapton realized that he had found the best way to honor the memory of his son. Whatever you call his gift to that woman, social support, faith in God, trust in a higher power, a bright line, it left her with the will to save herself. In the final analysis, all this doesn't mean Eric Clapton or his friend from AA are perfect but it does mean that they have a sword to slay dragons of vice in their lives. So in today's Mojo Minute, whatever you're battling in life, whatever dragons of vice are bringing you down, you need to look to bright lines as a sword, your sword, to start to slay those dragons. And those bright lines that are clear, simple, and unambiguous rules And as for Eric the Pilgrim, it means not one drank on the road to the celestial city. Eric the Pilgrim is on the road to a flourishing life with God's help. And with the help of his mighty, mighty sword of bright, shiny lines. And he will run the race. And he will fight the good fight to victory. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com, where we have everything we discussed in this podcast, as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format 
to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book, packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually six to nine pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.